You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 82. In this episode of the podcast, you'll be meeting James Swallow. James is a New York Times, Sunday Times, and Amazon number one best-selling author of over 50 books. He's a BAFTA-nominated scriptwriter and is the creator of the Mark Dane action thriller series. And he's written for uh, franchises such as uh, 24, Star Trek, as well as several high-profile video games, uh, including Tom Clancy's uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands. He lives and uh, works in London and had a great time talking to uh, James uh, about his work. Before we get to the interview, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about uh, Masterclass, an amazing lineup of instructors uh, on this uh, site is uh, unbelievable. Uh, you have uh, acting uh, classes from uh, Natalie Portman, uh, Jodie Foster, Magic with ben, uh, Penn and Teller, and then of course uh, for fans of thrillers, uh, there's uh, master classes available from uh, Dan Brown and James Patterson. Highly recommend you check that lineup out at uh, over at Masterclass at thrillingreads.com forward slash masterclass. That is my affiliate link. So if you sign up through that link, is a great way to support this podcast. So I really appreciate it. Okay, let's get on to the uh, podcast with uh, James Swallow. Hey everybody, this is Alan Peterson with Meet the Thriller Author, and for this episode of the podcast, I'm uh, talking with uh, James Swallow uh, on Skype from London. How are you doing this uh, this morning for me, uh, James? Afternoon for you, though. <laughs> uh, I'm doing great, thank you very much. This is a welcome respite, giving me a good excuse to stop writing for a little while. All right. Very busy couple of days. Yeah, um, I can I can imagine. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Well, as a as, as a writer or a reader, just generally, I guess. Uh, um, yeah, a, a a little bit of both. Okay, well, um, so I originally started off way back when, just kind of writing short stories when I was a kid. Um, I always had a hankering to be a writer. I got a little bit of experience writing for small press magazines and fanzines. That in turn led me to writing for entertainment magazines which in turn got me the opportunity to uh, go out to Hollywood and talk to people who were writing for film and television. Uh, and I really wanted, originally I wanted to be a TV writer. So, um, and I had a, people would say to me, you know, you have a very American writing sensibility. And so I was drawn to the American style of television writing, you know, the, the five act structure, the teaser and five acts kind of thing. So I tried my hand at doing that. Didn't make quite a success as, as I wanted to it, but I learned a great deal. So when I came back to the UK, um, I, I changed gears and I thought, well, I want to try and write in prose because with prose, you have a lot more control over the kind of narratives that you were doing. And I found myself just falling into writing uh, what we call tie-in fiction, which is writing novels set in fictional franchises that uh, already exist based on movies, TVs, uh, video games, that kind of thing. Uh, and I did that for a while and uh, I did very well with it. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to do that. It's, it's kind of like being given uh, a box of somebody else's toys and saying, here's this great toy, toy box and you can take these things out and you can play with them and you can tell these stories. But at the end of the day, you have to put the toys back in a box and give them back because they're not your toys. You know, you're just borrowing them from somebody else. And as much fun as it was to write in these sort of fictional worlds, uh, you know, writing about uh, characters like, you know, the characters from Star Trek or from Doctor Who or from 24 or from uh, the Warhammer franchise, those kind of things. I wanted to tell my own stories. I always had this drive behind me to tell my own stories. 
And one of my favorite franchises, uh, sorry, my, my favorite genres, I should say, was the the action thriller. It was something that I've always enjoyed reading those kind of books. I was very much a fan growing up of, of uh, Robert Ludlum, uh, Tom Clancy, and, and uh, Ian Fleming. You know, those authors were kind of very formative in my early years as, as, as being a, a hardcore reader. And I wanted to write those kind of books. And I looked around at what was – do you remember the kind of the airport thrillers? People would always talk about beach reads or airport novels, you know, that, that kind of thing. It used to be a thing when I was growing up. Uh, and I realized that, that that part of the market didn't really exist anymore. There wasn't that kind of fast-paced, high-octane sort of novels that filled that gap. And I thought, I want to write those books. I love those books. So – that was the original germ of the idea that became my first novel, Nomad, is I, I was kicking around thoughts about the kind of style of book I wanted to write. And I had this concept in my head for my lead character is the kind of hero I wanted to write. And so for a couple of years, that was just kind of orbiting around. And in between working on other projects, I would do a little here and a little there. And finally, I finished it. Uh, and I decided I was going to kind of put the full court press behind this and do as much as I can to sell the book. So I spent like a year in the wilderness trying to trying to get the book out there and and not doing very well, to be quite honest, for for a year. It was a it was a hard slog to get the, the book out there. A lot of uh, a lot of rejections, a lot of people saying, you know, these books aren't popular. People don't want to read these kind of books. But I just kept pushing and pushing because I was convinced that, you know, I love these kind of books and I'm really sure there's a readership out there for them. And I came across uh, Bonnie Azafra books who were just setting up their, their shingle in the, here in the UK and they wanted uh, a thriller guy and they said, would you like to be our thriller guy? And I was like, absolutely, yes. And, uh, and that was the start of the, the Mark Dane series, which uh, began with Nomad uh, and that's continued on with um, Exile, Ghost and the most recent book is Shadow that just came out here in the UK in hardcover uh, last month. And I'm currently working on uh, book five in the series right now. Uh, and in the U.S., uh, the second book uh, has just come out as well. So uh, we've had uh, quite a, a lot of pickup in, in Europe and, uh, and a few other countries as well for the book, so, which is really terrific. So I'm really, really heartened to see people are enjoying the novels. So this is your, your Mark Dane uh, thrillers. Is this what you're focusing on, on now? Uh, you, you're not doing the, the television stuff for right now? Well, um, the thing with me is I can't sit. I can't sit still. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I love looking at lots of different kinds of things. I, I think if I was just writing one thing all the time, I would get a little bored with it. So, I'm always looking for interesting new projects. So sometimes I'll do short stories, or I'll, I've worked on video games, I've worked on radio drama, I've worked on uh, novels, and I've done nonfiction. So. I'm always looking for the for a different kind of project. I'm looking for the thing that excites me that I look at and go, "Hey, that's a cool idea." That thrills me with the idea of of, of writing for it. So, right now, I'm working on a Mark Dane novel. But just uh, before that, I, I did some work on a, a a World War II comic book, which was a completely new thing for me. Which has been really fun to kind of write in in the comic book franchise and in the comic book structure because it's a very different way of telling stories. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And before that, I was doing some work for a video game. So I, I kind of go, um, I go for just what looks cool. Yeah, that's so fascinating. Uh, writing for, I, I hadn't thought about that, but the video games, of, of course, there's stories and scripts. And I, but I always just thought about the, you know, the game aspect to it. Um, how, how, how do you, do you write those kind of, is it like writing a tel like a television script for a video game? I'm just kind of curious about that. It's a, it's a weird thing because people say, you know, um, 
I, you know, do games have stories? It's like, well, you know, some of them do and some of them don't. Depends on the kind of narrative, um, and how much story is there. And it depends on the. It, it's kind of like I always say, it's a how long is a piece of string question, right? It's like depending on the game, depends on how much story you might need. So if you took, uh, you know, a massive open world video game that has loads of characters and quests and narratives, everybody has to have some dialogue that interacts with the player, and someone's got to write that dialogue, and there also needs to be kind of material and lore and text that you will find in the world all of that has to inform the fiction of that f- fictional world you know all of that has to be written by somebody um and that's a re- it's a really fascinating um thing to be involved in because it's not only is it just writing a script like a, a scene from say a tv show or a movie you're also helping to build an entire universe an entire narrative structure in which the player will exist so in a way it's kind of like writing a novel as well but you have to detail every kind of little bits and piece of the storyline so you have no idea how people are going to experience that world you know what directions they're going to take what parts of the world they're going to go right past and what other bits of it they'll well i'm going to stop and get involved in you know this particular bit of this story and it is a it's a it's a really interesting challenge and it, it involves lots of different kinds of types of writing so it's uh, it's never dull you know it's always every day it's a new challenge and a different challenge and i think it's so cool you mentioned that you were a fan of uh, of uh, of tom clancy and i see that you wrote for uh, the video game for clancy that was some kind of kind of a That's kind right, of neat yeah. as a fan <laughs> Yeah, I, I worked on uh, I worked on a couple of the the Clancy games. Uh, the first one I worked on was a game called Ghost Recon Wildlands. Uh, I worked on a, a an entire kind of downloadable story content section of that called Fallen Ghosts, uh, and that was a, a lot of fun. That game has been uh, in various iterations since like two thousand and one, and I'm I'm a big video gamer as as well as a reader. You know, that's an, uh, one of my hobbies is playing games, so I've played a lot of those games. So it was fun for me, not just as a fan of Clancy, but also as a fan of that game series to to be able to tell a story with those and then just recently uh, a game that's, that's that's come out very recently is uh, the division two and i did a little bit of work on that and again that is part of the 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 clancy brand uh, they have the the, the kind of the, the, the technological accuracy and the kind of day after tomorrow kind of political, social and action elements that I think, you know, that make Clancy novels what they are. It's expressed in the same way, uh, but in a video game medium. Can you tell us a little bit about your series about Mark Dane, how that came together and, 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 and about the character? Well, the thing I noticed... I was reading all of the, you know, my favorite books, and I was looking at them. And I was thinking, you know, a lot of the heroes that I read about were were really cool, but they always felt to me like they were kind of Teflon, bulletproof, super competent, you know. And and I have this theory that I talk about the the three JB theory, which is if you think of the three heroes, and they all have the same initials: Jack Bauer, James Bond, Jason Bourne. Most action thriller heroes fit into a similar category you know so Bourne is the guy who is the kind of cool clinical analytical kind of hero bauer is the guy who will kick down the door and you know scream at the guy where's the bomb you know and and beat the hell out of someone to get what he wants and bond is the suave sophisticated guy and a lot of action heroes fit into those categories but all those guys whenever they're in a situation you never really think, oh, he's not going to get out of that, you know, because they're because they're cool. They're always they're always finding the solution to it, and and there, there's there's kind of a lack of jeopardy. I think I like hero. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I do love reading those stories, but I really enjoy heroes who have to kind of run to keep up a little bit. 
you know, so they're not the toughest guy in the room. You know, they're not the smartest guy. They're not the quickest guy with the gun, but they've got heart and they've got dedication and they've got kind of stick to And I wanted to create a hero like that. Somebody who I felt was a little more in the mold of like maybe, you know, John McClane in the first Die Hard movie. There's a guy who, you know, the wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he gets through the story. And at the end of it, he's bloody but unbowed, but he fights through because at the end of the day, he's a hero. Another one I always point to is uh, Indiana Jones is a great example of a character who is, you know, he's smart, he's quick, but he's not always the toughest guy, you know, and he has to kind of work at it. And I always like that with a hero where I feel like they earn their victories a little more than maybe the kind of Teflon-coated guy who kind of just sails through it and doesn't have to worry about anything. So I wanted to write about a hero like that. And that was where the genesis of the Mark Dane character came from. And I'm analyzing these stories and I'm thinking, well, what kind of guy would he be? And another trope we see a lot in uh, these sort of action thriller stories is you often get the guy in the van. You know you've seen this thing where there's there's a hero out there and he's the door kicker and the trigger puller, right? And he's kicking down the door and he's like, okay. And there's a guy in the van on the radio going, okay, you need to go in here. Let me just hack that computer for you, right? And and the guy in the van is, is always kind of like one step away from the action. And I and one day I thought, what if the guy in the van had to do the job of the other guy? What if the guy in the van found himself in the front line you know, taken out of his comfort zone and pushed into this situation where instead of being able to be kind of relatively safe, is he's the guy who's getting shot at. He's the one who's on the run. And he's not really equipped to deal with that. He has to kind of rely on his wits and his smarts to get himself out of the situation. And that was the genesis of Mark Dane. He is this guy who had the opportunity to be uh, an MI6 agent and, and he took the easy route. You know, he wanted to be the guy in the van because he didn't want to be challenged. He didn't want to, you know, put himself in harm's way. But as uh, Nomad begins, he has all of that taken away from him. He ha- you know, his, his team gets killed and he finds himself framed for the, this, this terrible accident that's taken place, this terrible atrocity. And he goes on the run to clear his name and to find out who's really behind this situation. And that is the initial thrust uh, of what Nomad is about, is taking this guy out of his comfort zone. And in a way, it kind of reflected where I was as a writer because I was coming to this genre that I hadn't written in before uh, and I was doing something I hadn't done before. So I was outside of my comfort zone. And I think that that kind of energy, I channeled how I felt into how Mark feels. Uh, and he ends up in this kind of roller coaster action story where he's chased around the world trying to figure out who framed him and bring those people to justice. I'm kind of curious about your writing process now. Do you when you when you when you forget the idea and you sit down to write these, do you outline or, or do you just like start writing from the seat of your pants? I'm not a I'm not a pants guy. You know, uh, I I I I, talk, I have friends who are writers like that, and I say, how can you do that? To me, that 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 just kind of frightens the hell out of me. The idea of just starting and not having a not having a map. I'm I'm very much a, a plotter planner type guy, um, but I try to find a, a little bit of space for the story to breathe. So I don't kind of nail absolutely everything down. I think you know you need to have a little bit of a wiggle room in there for things to to go off in the directions you're not expecting. So I tend to I will plot quite strongly um, the the core narrative because I've always felt that the the best action drama stories are a hero reacting to the plan of a villain. You know, if you take your classic, I always say the classic example of that is you look at Goldfinger, right? That's, if Goldfinger's not trying to blow up Fort Knox, James Bond doesn't really have anything much to do. And it's always the villain has a plan and your hero goes, well, I'm going to stop you from doing that. And and this is how I'm going to do it. So I always begin with, you know, what is the core threat of the narrative? What is the 
situation that our heroes are going to come up against. How does that affect them? How are they drawn into the narrative? What's their personal arc? And then how do their characters change and evolve after being kind of reflected off of this this main plot line? And that's it. And I, and I build from there. And I start off with the skeleton of the story and I just go back and I add more and more and more. And then once I've got structure I'm happy with, I sit down and kind of start cutting metal and actually, you know, get into the writing. Yeah, it's interesting that it, with, with the thrillers, the, how important the villain is, because usually the reader knows who the the, the villain is. Um, so it's but so important to have a, a a good good character for that villain compared to you know like a mystery where you don't know till the end. Absolutely, you know. I mean, I think that the the you need, you know no. I think that it's true that no villain ever thinks that they're the bad guy. You know, no bad guy. They don't wake up in the morning and go tomorrow today I will be evil. You know that I will I will you know eat a baby and kick a kitten and that's uh, look at me look how evil I'm being right. They always think that they're the hero of their own stories. So I think it's important that you know when you write a villain, even if they are just reprehensible, absolutely atrocious person, you have to make them feel three-dimensional you have to make them feel real you have to look at the villain and go well this person is doing a terrible terrible thing but you can see why you know that they they have a reason that to them is valid even if to us it's it's a terrible reason and that way when you place them in opposition against a hero who is trying to do the right thing you know you have genuine conflict that feels real and it feels organic and do you put in, do you put in a lot of research when you're when you write these uh, your 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 books Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I try to do that kind of, you know, day after tomorrow, kind of ripped from the headlines sort of thing. So I'm constantly steeping myself in a, a lot of technology because these are these are techno thrillers, you know, and, and technology is something that I'm a big fan of. So I'm always interested in reading about that. So I'm, I'm looking at, uh, you know, uh, news about new technology, about geopolitics. I'm looking for places, you know, what, what's going on in the world? Where is the where is the flashpoint that's happening right now? And I ask myself, well, if I put my finger on the fast forward button, I say in two years time, three years time, what will be happening after that? You know, what threats will be coming up? What situations can our heroes get into that are not happening now, but could be happening the day after tomorrow? So I do as much research as I can on that. I try to make the all of the technology and the, the items and the equipment and the locations. I try to do as much research as I can. On, on people and places and hardware so that all of the all of the surroundings and the settings feel as real as I can possibly make them because the story is a kind of heightened reality you know the these sort of action thrillers they're always happening at a very high tempo um, the high octane fast-paced story and they're a little unrealistic you know that's part but that's part of the fun of it right is that our heroes do crazy stuff that you think, yeah, in the real world, you probably wouldn't have, you wouldn't have been able to survive that jump or, you know, get out of that car before it exploded. Right. And so that's kind of the deal I think I make with the audience is I say, well, if, you know, if you accept the fact that maybe the actions are a little bit unrealistic, everything else will be as realistic as possible as I can make it. And I think that's a kind of cool trade off is that you get one and the other at the same time. And I was kind of curious about the the tools of your craft. Do you use uh, like Microsoft Word or another writing software? Just uh, I just use Microsoft Word. I, a lot of my friends use Scrivener, and uh, and and they swear by that. But um, I'm pretty basic with it. And and you know, also loads and loads of of, of notebooks. I, I, I carry a notebook all the time. I'm constantly sort of scribbling stuff down when I'm on on a train or you know on a bus or just kind of sitting on a street corner having a coffee, and an idea will occur to me, and I pull my notebook out and just scribble it down. So, yeah, I have huge piles of paper. So I'm kind of I'm digital and analog when it comes to my writing. 
Yeah, I'm old school too. I always have a notebook with me because yeah, you know, it's never it's not always convenient to pull out a phone and hit the recording and start talking to yourself. So <laughs> a notebook no, is, uh, makes it nice and easy. <laughs> yeah, people kind of look at you. Weird. I mean, I always say that with writers, people say, you know, when when are you writing? I say, writers, we're always writing in our heads. We're always writing. We're not always just we're just not always writing it down. You know, you've always got that process going because I think you know you go through the world eyes and ears open listening and and seeing what's going on around you and you're constantly assimilating that so you might hear somebody on the bus you overhear a snatch of dialogue and you might think oh that guy's got an interesting tone of voice i'll write a character like that or you see something in a newspaper or you know you hear a snatch of a song all of these things are all kind of going feeding into that hopper of ideas which you know then expresses itself through whatever story you're telling and do you um when uh, when you're when you're in the writing uh, one of your books do you uh, do you stick to like a, a strict schedule or do you write in the same spot all the time or do you like go to a coffee shop what's your writing process like Yeah, I try to I try <laughs> I try to do it. You know, I mean, I have um I have an office in my house where I'm speaking to you from right now, uh, and I have uh, in in one corner most of the room is filled up with filing cabinets and bookshelves and cardboard boxes full of books. My my office looks like an Amazon warehouse, you know, but in in this in this one corner, um, I have like my computer and I have uh, all my paperwork. A friend of mine described it once. He said it, it's like the cockpit of a fighter jet. It's just tucked into the corner of this this little room. And I said that's kind of authentic. I like the idea of that of like strapping in and firing up the afterburners and off I go and start writing. Uh, and so I so I write in that space and and I have uh, uh, a couple of windows next to me, so I've got a nice view of my garden here. So it's uh, it's all kind of like very pleasant. It's nice and quiet. So this is my little writing space. I don't often write uh, in coffee shops or outdoors. I keep meaning to try it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I would be distracted by what was going on around me. So uh, that's, that's not kind of a thing that, that works well for me. Um, in terms of my, my schedule, what I try to do is basically by 9 o'clock, backside in chair, writing away you know so i get up a little earlier than that and you know i I do all the kind of trivia and and sorting out my emails and all the kind of paperwork and housekeeping kind of stuff but by 9 a.m i want to be in in my process and and writing away and i just work through pretty much a nine to five day uh when my wife comes home from work she'll knock on the door and be like oh time to stop working and uh, you know and i'll down tools and 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 that'll be that so i I kind of treat you know I, i come from very much a sort of blue collar working class background of, of my, me and my family, we were like we we did a nine to five working day before I had a when I had a day job like normal people. I would do a nine to five working day, and I keep that that same kind of like you know punch the clock mindset. Just get down, get your backside in the chair, and start writing. And so now, um, so your latest book here in the states is Exile, uh, I believe, because the Ghost is, hasn't hasn't been published yet here in the states. Doesn't that's right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so can you tell us uh, about the next uh, about the about Exile and uh, and you said you're working on the next. You actually so you're working on the fifth Mark Dane. So we're, little, right, yeah. so we're a little behind here, but in the in in, in the UK, you, all five books are out already. The uh, the fifth one is the one I'm working on right now. The fourth one just came out. So, so yeah. So so Nomad is the first book, and that's that's um, the story about Mark kind of being uh, framed for a crime he didn't commit and, f- and getting his way through that. Exile is the f- is the follow-on from that, and that involves uh, he's it takes place it's a year later. Uh, he's working for a, a real-world agency which tracks um, the uh, illegal sale of nuclear materials. Uh, and in this no- novel, he's found himself. He's again. He's kind of gone back to the job he was working. He's he's gone back to being the kind of you know the 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 
desk jockey type guy, like you said. And what he f- discovers is the uh, suitcase nuke uh, has, 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 a, has popped up on his radar, but nobody believes that the people who are trading it are actually the real deal, except for Mark. And so he he ends up hooking back up with a, a, a private military contractor organization that he met in the first novel to track down this nuclear device because he's convinced that you know it is a real it's the real deal and something terrible is going to happen. And along the way, he he comes across uh, the the kind of threat force in this book is is a uh, is this rogue Somali pirate who is um, you know gets gets his hands on this nuclear device and decides to use it to kind of you know boost his own status as this kind of pirate king. Um, and it becomes a race and chase once again across the across the world to to try and track down this nuclear device before it goes off. Um, and uh, that was interesting to write, to, to kind of get involved in doing a lot of research into the background of Somali piracy and the whole kind of the culture down there and how their, their whole world has been changed and the, the effects and all of the, the lines of, of influence that draw back to Europe and uh, the, the involvement of um, organized crime in, in mainland Europe, drawing all of those kind of elements together to kind of create the story from there. Ghost is the, as you say, is the book that follows on after that. That is, um, uh, that's about a, uh, a renegade hacker group. So it's kind of like anonymous, but without the morals. Uh, and it has uh, our heroes involved with this hacker group. And that's, um, the, those guys are working against uh, uh, the, the um, South Korean government. So there's a, a lot of stuff involved there with, with um, that kind of element of the sort of the shadowy dark web. There's, that was a thing that's fascinating to me. So writing about that one, uh, and then the most recent book here in the UK is Shadow, and that involves uh, a bioweapon and a, uh, a extremist far right organisation who are essentially planning to create a false flag attack in Europe to create a schism and sort of uh, you know destroy European unity there. So those have been uh, the kind of the key beats of those novels. And I also wrote um, just recently. I launched my own website. And as a, a, a kind of like a freebie for people who are coming to the site, I, I wrote Rough Air, which is a, a, a kind of short novelette, serial novelette, which is a story that fits in um, between a couple of the books. And that's available on the website for, for people to download for free. Great. And your website is jswallow.com? Yep. Easy one to remember, jswallow.com. So you can go straight there and uh, download PDFs of Rough Air. And... Um, yeah, that was really fun to write. I, I had an idea about doing a story. I wanted to do a plane hijacking story. Uh, yeah, and you know, and there's been there's been a whole bunch of those, you know. And I thought, well, that's, that's always a cool place to tell an action story. And I thought, how would I do Mark Dane's story uh, on a hijacked plane? And one of Mark's things is that he's he has this kind of uh, MacGyver like style ability to kind of you know figure out problems without having a lot of tech or hardware. You know, he's a he's a innovative guy and that's what I, I like about writing him so i put him on an airliner and it's like you're on this plane it's been hijacked but you don't have any weapons you don't have any equipment is how do you solve the problem and how do you get the plane down without everybody dying horribly and that's that was the story of rough air was and that was a lot of fun to write i think i might do uh, another one something similar uh, next year for for when the next book comes out and so now you, you see you're a fan of thrillers uh, uh, before you started to write them. Do you still find time to read uh, thriller books? Yeah, 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 I do. I mean, um, 
I, I come from a household which was very much a family of readers. So my family were, you know, from a very early age, were like, you know, taking me to the library and getting me interested in books. And I think my, you know, thanks to my family, my, my kind of reading age blew the curve very early on <laughs> because my family were like, well, you know, you read this, this is for children. Now read a book for adults, you know. So, and my mother was a huge fan and still is, is a huge fan of, of, of crime thrillers and action thrillers. She was the one who kind of turned me on to reading Robert Ludlum. And my dad was a big fan of Ian Fleming. So he got me reading those. Uh, and uh, and then the Tom Clancy books were the kind of thing I came uh, came across myself. So those three those became like my three kind of pole stars for the my love of uh, my love of thrillers, and uh, and I still read them now. And and I'm always kind of looking for for new and interesting books, and I'm just picking up uh, different readers, uh, different different writers looking for for different thrillers uh, and and different structures of story. It seems like there was this point where thrillers of the type that I like kind of the, the, the kind of tide went out for a while and there wasn't a lot of that stuff around, but now it seems like it's rolling back in and you know, everybody I talk to, I say, Oh, I love these kind of thrillers. Oh, have you read this guy? And it's always like, I've never heard of that guy. So uh, it's like an embarrassment of riches. Now there's so many, so many new readers. I mean, just recently, um, I've been reading a book by a woman who's published by the same publisher as me in the UK, uh, Asia McKay. She wrote a, a, a really fun novel called killing it, which is about, um, a woman who's an assassin working for a, a, a division of MI6. And the book begins with her coming back to work after just had a, having had a baby. Oh. <laughs> and so it's this kind of story about, it's like, it's like half spy thriller and it's half kind of, you know, this woman is a new mother trying to deal with all of the kind of, the, the stuff that, uh, uh, you know, parents have to deal with. Like she opens her bag and then she pulls out a pistol and it's got like a kind of, you know, half a chewed donut stuck to it. Her baby's dumped in the bag. She's like, oh, for, you know, I have to deal with. So you have to deal with that as well as dealing with like, you know, proper spy thriller stuff. And it's like, it's quite a fun novel. It's got a really kind of light touch to it, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm going to go check that out and uh, add to my pile. <laughs> yeah. And, and just before that, then uh, the one I read before that is I was reading um, the the uh, one of the Jansen series, which was uh, originally the Paul Jansen books. It was uh, originally written by Robert Ludlum, but the series has been carried on with a couple of other writers. Uh, and so I was uh, I've been reading those a big, like I say, big fan of, uh, of the Ludlum uh, style of writing. And I just saw the, you had a kind of a blurb from uh, one of my f favorite writers, uh, Wilbur Smith. He, he, he said Nomad was unput, unputdownable and a must-read. Well, that's pretty. Uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was. Um, I, I have to say, I was, I was just, you know, um, quite taken aback by that because the Wilbur is a titan of the genre, absolutely. You know, and to have him actually even read my stuff was like wow you know that was uh, you know they say praise from caesar and i thought that was you know when uh the, his his uh, his agent got in touch with my agent and said oh wilbur's read james's book and he really likes it and i was oh wow that's that's fantastic and then the next thing i said was can i get a quote please the cover <laughs> of my book is if that's okay um yeah and uh, and uh, also he put me up uh, i was nominated for the wilbur smith adventure writing prize as well for for Nomad, which was which was really great honor to to be, uh, you know, in, in that group of people. Um, but yeah, Wilbur's a fantastic writer. I mean, he is, as I say, you know, a titan of the genre, you know, his fiction has been around for so long and, and he's so well respected. 
Uh, and he's just recently come over to work for for Bonnier again. The, the 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 publisher that I'm working with is they've been reprinting all of his books. Oh. So uh, a lot of new, a lot of old stuff that he's done is coming back into print again. I think it's terrific to see some of his books, you know, getting to see light of day once more, as well as uh, a lot of the the newer stuff. I mean, you know, he's I mean he's he's not a young man, but he's still kicking. He's still putting stuff out, and that is just so great to see more fiction from him being put out there into the world. Okay, well, um, James, we're not going to take too much more of your time. Just to let the listeners know, best place to learn about your books and, and about you and get the uh, no- novel that you put out, the e- e-book, is uh, at the jswallow.com. That's right, yeah. You can uh, come along and find me there. There's also uh, a blog link on that page as well, So, which I try to update uh, a couple of times a month, just talking about what I'm doing and events that I'll be at and that kind of thing. And if you want to uh, find me on social media, the uh, the only other place I might is at JM Swallow, which is my, my Twitter feed. And I post on there uh, quite regularly. I'm always open to, to chat to people about books and thrillers and, and, and hear what they think uh, of, of my work. All right, great. Well, thank you so much for uh, being on the uh, podcast. Really appreciate it. No, my, my absolute pleasure. It's great to be on. Thanks for listening to the Meet the Thriller Author podcast. Be sure to visit thrillerauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover great thrilling reads. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe, uh, rate, and give a review uh, to it, wherever it is that you're listening to this uh, podcast, be it uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, wherever it is that you're uh, listening to this right now, I would appreciate it. And uh, please do check out my own thriller novels over at my website at alanpeterson.com. Until next time.